episode of the Future Positive Podcast, powered by Capitalize. I'm your host, Phil Hobden, Head of Customer Education and Engagement at Capitalize. And as always, I'm joined by Kirsty McGregor, founder of the Corporate Finance Network and Capitalize's very own accountant in residence. Hi, Kirsty, how are you? Hiya, Phil. I'm very well, thank you. And I'm really looking forward to this podcast. You have been on the on this whole Freeport the moment the moment we started planning like the future podcast you're like we've got to get someone to talk about Freeport we've got to get yep. so this is this is like this is like your second Christmas this year really isn't I it? have been hounding the industry trying to find <laughs> into government I've been to LEPs I've been nobody's wanted to talk to me and finally I went direct to a Freeport and that body's in touch with with John and I'm jumping in again telling you who's on the podcast like, oh, that's fine no. that's fine you can do that you can do that it's but look, no genuinely like I think this is gonna be a really interesting topic and I think it's gonna be a really interesting conversation because you know um and we'll do John's intro in a second but John talk about freeports like the whole property and commercial like so this is gonna be a really really interesting one so whilst I'm here I might as well just jump straight into that intro so our guest today uh for this episode is John Maddox Wright John is a former captain in the British Army so that is an actual first for us we get a lot of firsts so we've had some we've had like um we've had like uh kind of people with honors yeah 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 we've never had an actual uh actual I'm gonna be a soldier not a soldier. I'm going to have to be in my best behaviour today. I even like um, shined my shoes uh, to make sure that you know. You're uh, such I, a liar, Phil. <laughs> I am. I'm, <laughs> so I am. But uh, John's role is quite different. Uh, his current role, and in fact, he now works as an associate in the national national industrial and logistics team at Savills, who are one of the world's leading property agents with over 600 offices around the world. In his current role, John advises developers, funds, property companies and occupiers on land and property acquisition, disposals and developments. So, that is, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated, actually, with one of our questions, just how you make the jump from, from one to the other, right? But look, John, uh, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here today. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you very much for, for having me on. And uh, I didn't know that you uh, that you knew that much about me, so um, yeah, I didn't. You've obviously done your research, and uh, yeah, I didn't know that you you were used to be in the army. So um, yeah, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, whatever goes on LinkedIn. <laughs> Before Kirsty gets onto her questions, I'd be fascinated to know, like, because it is quite a quite a change of of career, right? Like going from from the military into kind of this whole property side. So what? How did you manage to make that leap, and what was that leap to to get you from from there to to where you are today? Um, yeah, well, it's a good question. I, I sort of finished up in the army in 2013, and I think I knew at that stage that, that I wanted to go back and, and, and retrain as something. And uh, moving into the property world, to to go back, retrain, and, and gain a qualification uh, as a chartered surveyor. Uh, and I sort of, you know, went through the graduate process at Savills, and um, and then you know found found a home in the industrial logistics team there, which I'm sort of really enjoying. I've been I've been doing for uh, for about six or seven years fascinating brilliant jump well like i say it's a first for us but let's let's talk a bit about your current role then so explain a little bit more we gave you job title there but explain a bit more about what you actually do in in Savills, what your current responsibilities are yeah so i'm a i'm an associate director within within the industrial logistics team i'm i'm based in in london that's where our sort of um head office is uh but i deal predominantly with um with what we call big shed or big box development so anything over 100,000 square feet uh, and predominantly outside the M25 uh, and, and most of that work is based along the sort of 
key logistics corridors in the country, so that the main motorway corridors, uh, and in particular, I do you know a lot of work across the Midlands and along the A14. Uh, so going anywhere from from you know the, the course of East Midlands over towards the Port of Felixstowe um, and taking into sort of Kettering, Corby, Peterborough, various St Edmunds, Ipswich, all those sort of towns, and trying to identify uh, sort of good logistics development sites uh, for some of our clients, and then uh, trying to find occupiers to to come and take space uh, on those schemes. Brilliant. So so um, have to. Uh, uh, kind of ex express uh, an interest in this as well, because my other half is in logistics. So I know all about parcel deliveries, problems, issues around the country, motorway problems, getting HGVs from one place to another, and, and all of this is what I live daily, but in a different way to you. So let, let's go a little bit wider before we go into Freeports, which is really you know what I wanted to talk to you about um, as well. But let, let's look a bit wider across the whole industrial space there because you've clearly got a much greater knowledge and and I suppose advanced knowledge of where the market's going because as a layperson I I can see the property markets change massively recently you know high streets were really struggling pre-covid and then some small town center high streets have really come back but city centers are still struggling and and the use of property is changing there and then in in your space the big shed I like that that um, description of of the you know the logistics market and also the out of town shopping centers and the growth so so you're like you're probably years ahead of of what we're going to experience so what trends are you seeing now that we're going to it's going to impact us yeah well, I, I think it's something that we can all relate to because we are all shopping increasingly online um and we all seek that sort of that convenience we want you know things the same day as we order them uh, you know, we want and, and, and everything we buy essentially is, is coming out of a warehouse. So um, it's a it's a long standing trend now that um, the growth of online retail um, has led to the growth of, of the warehouse sector uh, and increasing uh, increasing take up. Um, and then in the last few years, that has that has really been accelerated by the covid pandemic. Um, and, you know, as we all know, we were all sitting at home. Uh, and, and everything we did went online, um, be that sort of, you know, um, team meetings, office meetings, um, you know, all the sort of content we were streaming um, from, uh, you know, various sort of TV streaming services and then and then everything we were buying and, you know, lots of vans whizzing around and constantly dropping things off at your door. Uh, and, you know, in particular, I think the, um, the supermarkets and, you know, the growth of sort of food purchasing online because we couldn't go to the supermarket and we all had to eat, you know, that sort of accelerated massively as well. So it has been a long standing trend that uh, the more we move online, the more warehouse space we need. Um, but it's been accelerated in the last couple of years by by the COVID pandemic. And I mean, you know, Savills gathered data for all warehouse units over 100,000 square feet, which is what we call the sort of big box market. And uh, 2020 was a record year with, with 50 million square feet taken up, um, ahead of the long-term average of roughly 30 million square feet. Uh, and then 2021, we've just seen 55 million square feet of take up. So, uh, yeah, we've had two record years um, driven uh, predominantly by the growth of online, um, but there are other sort of factors behind that as well. And one of your um, the biggest occupiers, of course, is Amazon. I'm guessing is it? And are they still building, still taking more space? 
Yeah, they are. I mean, Amazon are a, a significant part of the market. Um, they are very hungry. Um, they've been a significant part of the market for perhaps the last you know, five or six years. Um, but there are plenty of other other players out there. Um, you know, we, we talk about the long tail of, of logistics occupiers. Over 257 companies in the last two years uh, have taken um, big box space. Uh, and over, I think it's 37, have taken more than one unit. So there are you know, a lot of other companies out there taking space and, and there are a lot of new entrants as well. And, you know, talking about the pandemic and the demand for uh, TV content, uh, we've seen film studio companies moving into the uh, logistics world because they need space in which to film things uh, and they, they can't build their own studios quick enough. So they've, they've started to encroach into the warehouse market. Uh, and, and there's obviously, you know, the the online uh, supermarkets, the likes of Ocado, uh, they've been taking a lot of space in order to fulfil uh, all those orders that we're putting in. And I'm, I'm fairly sure that, um, you know, uh, many of us can relate to sort of being at the, the back of a long queue in terms of being able to get an Ocado order and that sort of thing. And then plenty of other sort of new entrants. Uh, sort of other sort of e-tailers trying to get into the Amazon territory uh, and also emerging markets such as the you know the, the electric vehicle market so new uh, electric vehicle manufacturers coming in so that you know that manufacturing sector is also taking an increasing amount of space so it's not just Amazon uh, a lot of it is linked to online but there are plenty of other players out there as well. It's funny you talk about the film industry and, and, and the media industry. Actually, that's kind of where my family plays in. So I've got a family that, that work in the film industry. And actually, like Amazon, um, <laughs> Amazon again, right? But Amazon have started one of their biggest projects ever over in the UK. It's a TV series called Citadel. And that, that, that a huge amount of development, a huge amount of money. And you're absolutely right. Like all the studios in the UK are booked up for years, mm. literally years. If it's like, like Marvel doing one studio, Warner Brothers have got kind of all their stuff. Um, but we still have the best talent and best kind of behind the scenes stuff globally. So it's, it's fascinating to see that actually that that's kind of flowing out into that warehouse, because absolutely, that's what I'm hearing as well, that that kind of whole massive expansion in that sector. To, to, and they're desperate for space and production facilities and warehouses. Exactly. Like, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll come on to the Freeport piece in a minute. But, you know, there are huge... Um... Uh, tax incentives and, and benefits for for film studios creating content in the UK, and especially during the pandemic, you know they couldn't get the studio space. And well, what is a warehouse? It, ultimately, it's it's a, it's an empty box uh, that's got a you know a, a solid floor that can um, that can sort of uh, take the burden of any studio equipment they want to put in there, and it's got good steel structure that they can hang their lights off and everything else they want to put in there. Uh, to the point that you know we now have uh, well we have a scheme at uh, Symmetry Park, Aston Clinton, where we, we're advising a client there, advising the developer, and they have, for the second phase of that development, having let the first phase to a TV studio, for the second phase, they, they went in from the start on speculatively built space uh, with cons planning consent for TV studios. So you can still do your standard logistics operation from there, but they've also got consent for film studios to operate from there. So it's, a, it's an emerging trend, but um, it's certainly something that, yeah, really took off um you know given the sort of uh huge demand there was for content uh, during the during the pandemic so so let's get on to the freeports area then so just for those that don't understand what the benefits are of freeports can you just give a bit of an overview it came out in the budget last year and uh, they're all over the country and some are going to be in scotland and wales as well going to be announced 
Um, not all of them are open yet, though, are they? Very, very early stages in the in the development of these these free ports. What's the state state of play at the moment? Yeah, so it, it is uh, it is early stages, and I think we're all waiting for more information. But but free ports have have come about. It's a government initiative, and they are they're national hubs to promote um, sort of investment in the UK and to sort of enhance global trade. Uh, so the idea is they will, they will, they will drive economic growth. Uh, and they're all part of the, the, the government's levelling up agenda. So there are a number of free ports around the country, uh, and I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to list them all, but I think there's sort of eight at the moment. Um, uh, and yeah, there there will be various benefits from um, from locating at a free port. Um, and one of the main benefits is is customs benefits. So you can move your goods into a free port um, and uh, into the country, and then move them back out again without paying. Uh, without paying any uh, any tariff on those goods uh, until until they move again, and equally if they if they stay in the UK, so you can move goods into a free port, um, you won't pay any duty on those goods until they they leave the free port. So that means you you can hold them in the UK for longer, create more resilience in your supply chain, um, and sort of lack of resilience in the supply chain has been an issue um, for you know occupiers for the last few years. Uh, but you can hold goods on that on that port, not pay any duty on them until you move them off port uh, and to your customer. So at the point that you're actually um, selling those goods or getting some money for those goods, that is when you pay your duty. So it's a huge benefit in terms of um, your your cash flow and, uh, and and the way you can operate your business. So yeah, duty deferral is a, is a huge benefit, but there are other um, sort of tax reliefs as well. So there's there's business rates relief. Um, so an occupier will, will you know, um, uh, taking a position or taking a site within a free port will get 100% business rates relief um, uh, on that property. Uh, they'll get stamp duty land tax relief uh, and they'll also get uh, employers' uh, national insurance contributions paid for the first uh, five years as well. Uh, and on top of that, there's various other sort of enhanced capital allowances uh, so sort of relief, tax relief on new plant and new machinery. So all sorts of benefits um, to occupiers uh, that will sort of give them some, some really significant cost savings um, and that therefore encouraging them to, to come and uh, sort of take warehouse space or, you know, or take uh, space within a free port. So of the three free ports, sorry, of the free ports that are open, I think there are three at the moment. Is that right? Um, so and you're I, working on two of them, aren't you? So we're working on, um, well, I'm working on Freeport East, which is Felixstowe and Harwich. Um, and I'm working on uh, Thames Freeport. Uh, and and, and my, my role within that is really working on the, the logistics park. So at, at Freeport East, we've got Gateway 14, and that's a... That's a 156-acre site um, designed for, for B1, B2, B8 um, occupiers, so really industrial and logistics occupiers, uh, and it has freeport status. And we've got outline planning consent there, so uh, we're just starting to do the groundwork to prepare that site. But yeah, we are speaking to um, a lot of occupiers about coming to take space there, and we can occupy, well, sorry, we can provide uh, anything from a 20,000-square-foot warehouse up to a so one million square foot warehouse and we've got you know a range of interest at the moment uh, but they are attracted by that freeport status uh, and equally at uh, london gateway so this is dp world london gateway another you know uh, freeport site uh, and that's directly linked to the port so um 
London Gateway is the fastest growing container port in the UK. Uh, they've currently got three berths open there uh, that can take the, the largest sort of container ships in the world, uh, but they are opening more. Um, and we've got a logistics park um, immediately next door to that that can take anything from a 20,000 square foot warehouse up to 1.6 million square foot warehouse. And that is rail linked. It's, you know, fully rail linked into all the other rail freight terminals in the country. Uh, it's to 15 miles outside the M25. So right on the right on the doorstep of London uh, and then obviously sea linked um, to, to, to the entire globe. So, yeah, a huge sort of um, site there. Um, benefits from freeport status and, and and consequently we're getting a lot of interest from occupiers that that think they can they, they can take advantage of that oh it's so exciting i really like it so you talked about the long tail there because i guess you know not many small businesses are, are going to be there i don't suppose there's going to be um many like industrial office space you know small units as, as such but you you definitely believe that there's going to be a wider implication for smes in the local area and the and, and the growth of the business all around. Yeah, I mean, it's it's about creating it's about creating jobs and uh, and then sort of driving innovation as well. And um, a modern logistics warehouse can do a bit of both. So you know there are there is huge opportunity opportunities for for jobs of, of, of you know well a, a range of jobs within a warehouse. It's not just um, you know your forklift truck drivers and and people stacking shelves. Now these warehouses are increasingly um, automated um, so there's some quite technical jobs in there as well and um, you know a lot of these places have, you know, have got robots running around doing doing the shelf stacking and the picking and packing um, so you need you, you need skilled individuals that can come in and, and, and manage that fleet of robots or um, or operate that IT system or whatever it is so um, yes there are, there are a lot of jobs but increasingly they are also highly skilled jobs uh, and that that is a sort of thing that the government is trying to promote by um, by creating these free ports and encouraging and incentivizing you know the, the growth of skills and, and and they're providing technical support to do that and out and outsourcing to subcontractors as well and other companies and that's how that's how the smaller businesses will benefit as well because they won't be necessarily taking one of these big units but there'll be a lot of business a lot of demand no, precisely yeah i mean these these are hubs they're designed as hubs that are going to create inward investment in the in the in the entire region um it's not just the logistics parks you know there are there are surrounding um sort of sites as well um that are part of the freeport so yes it creates a hub creates an opportunity for inward investment and and, and hopefully drives the whole economy forward in in what have been um perhaps um sort of underdeveloped areas or, or areas that have felt like they've been left behind and that's why it's, it's part of this leveling up agenda so we're in, we're in a situation at the moment where lots of industries are really struggling with with problems with their supply chains and, and you touched on it earlier um it, it's, it's all about the efficiencies of the logistics um chain i suppose isn't it and the market and making sure that we can keep those costs to customer as low as possible and having having um these ports and 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 um, associated hubs all in the right place in the country is absolutely key, isn't it, for that profitability and that efficiency? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there, ha there has been a lot of disruption to supply chains in, in, in the last few years, you know, be that uh, Brexit. Um, and and I, I think, um, you know, one of the one of the consequences of that is a lot of occupiers are looking to 
to mitigate the um, the possible consequences and, and and therefore hold more inventory in the UK. Uh, and the other one has obviously been COVID, and and that has had you know global um, a global impact in terms of supply chain disruption, uh, with with you know production or manufacturing having to stop and start, and uh, and that you know and therefore you know supply chains have been hit. So so yeah, there are a number of occupiers out there that are looking to build more resilience into their supply chains. Uh, and one way they can do that is by by locating on a free port and you can you can hold more goods on a free port and if you're importing goods as i said you know you can hold your goods there and you don't pay any uh, any tariff on those goods and, until they until they leave the free port so you can have them in the uk you can have them on your doorstep but you haven't had to pay those tariffs until the point at which you're moving those goods on that's great i mean wow like such great detail kind of that uh, about how free ports work and i'm sure that's gonna be really really useful because i know obviously the media have talked about what a great idea it is and, and everything else but i think sometimes the devil's in the detail with these plans uh so so john i think you've done a fantastic job of, of laying that out and, and explaining that to people so every episode of the podcast we ask uh one additional extra question to every single guest so this is our kind of our future positive question um, and it's a simple one, and it's just to find out what excites you about the future. I think what's really exciting about the well, the warehouse and logistics market is the is the the innovation, the growth in the use of technology. And um, I mean, you can you can go and look around an Amazon warehouse now, and maybe I'm a bit of a geek for this sort of thing, but you can you can go and do a tour of an Amazon warehouse and see the robots taking things off the shelves and and putting them into boxes for you. And I think. The potential for the growth in that sector and and the growth in the in, in the how technology is used within the sector within the sector is really exciting. So, um, you know, we we will see not only the likes of Amazon doing it, but also with you know, vert looking at vertical farming as well. Um, people growing crops in, in inside warehouses because it's a more reliable um, way to to grow crops. Uh, and then also, I think linked to that is the the way that um, developers and occupiers as well are looking at the uh, environment what they can do environmentally um, and how they can improve their sort of environmental credentials and all the innovation that's going in in terms of building photovoltaic panels onto the roof building battery storage into the into the uh, into the units uh, you know more on-site power generation um, you know more resourceful use um, of the sort of natural resources. So all of that is going on um, and really driving change in the sector. So that's all quite exciting as well. Wow. I mean, do you know, actually you say that thing about being a geek and um, like like uh, loving the technology. I used to work in asset finance and I was shocking. Like you get people, you'd always have to go and do asset checks. So you know, get serial number, make sure it is the genuine thing and all that stuff. And everyone used to queue up to do the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis. And I'm like, they're all cool. But I much rather go to like a, a building that's having to have its roof taken it off to put in a ten-piece Heidelberg printer that's <laughs> like that's like a five million pound, you know, that kind of thing where it's just like or some kind of really techie solution that's going to change how a manufacturing business works. I used to love that stuff. The fact I did not know you could do a tour of an Amazon warehouse. I, I literally, at the moment I come off this podcast recording, I'm going to go on and Google tour of Amazon warehouse. And I will be- holidays are sorted. <laughs> so, yeah, the, Hobden, the Hobden family summer holiday is now sorted. 
Yes. So, John, I absolutely am with you with that. And I think um, I, I'm very, very proud to be that kind of geeky person. But genuinely, thank you for coming on today. Um, So it's thank been great know. to talk to you. Uh, it goes about saying, where can people find about find out more about you and, and Savills and, and the work you're doing? Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, Savills have a, a pretty comprehensive warehouse, uh, warehouse tribe website. Um, so, yeah, you know, uh, you can look me up on, on the Savills website. Uh, my name's yeah, John Maddox-Wright and I'm yeah, in the industrial logistics team. But um, you can just Google my name. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, and then, yeah, some of those schemes. I mean, yeah, DP World, London Gateway uh, and Gateway 14 at Stowe Markets, you know, um, both have Freeport status, as I said. Um, they both have their own dedicated websites. But equally, you know, um, you know, speak to Savills, speak to me or, um, you know, we can tell you more about them, really. But, yeah, just Google me. I should come up. Brilliant. Uh, and, and again, I love, I love the fact you said warehouse then, by the way. You've got warehouses on the John, thank you very much for your time. Uh, for those new to Capitalize, Capitalize's vision is to give small businesses and their advisors transparency and control over business finance. With our help, we want every small business to be able to make uh, to spot the risks they face, sorry, to explore how they stand out from a credit perspective and choose the right funding choices that best fits their business. Don't forget to tune in every Friday on this podcast feed for our new weekly show, Friday Breakfast with Phil and Kirsty, our bite-sized wrap-up of the key stories for accountants and business advisors in the news that week. And for those of you who don't already, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Amazon Music, and all good podcast platforms. Finally, for more about this podcast and about Capitalize, please check out Capitalize.com. Thanks for listening and we will see you on Friday.